0: G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 168 of the Outback Mine podcast. Appreciate you joining in once again. Uh, Special guest all the way from Tasmania today, Mr Brett Geepin. Uh, Many of you may not have heard of Brett, uh, but if you live in Tassie you certainly would have Brett uh, was a fantastic footballer um, for the Tasmanian Devils, a VFL team. He was a co-captain there for a while. Uh, very unlucky to not get drafted, so we're going to talk a bit about that today. Uh, and also um, a great player for the Clarence Football Club down there. His family, uh, you know, good, uh, good sporting uh, family. His brother Matt also a really uh, was a really awesome footballer. Uh, and you now we're going to talk about uh, his journey as a player, but also his passion for Tasmania and also, you know, his view on getting a Tasmanian team, uh, what that sort of looks like and the state of uh, football in Tasmania primarily. So, um, yeah, Brett's, uh um, certainly um, will be able to give us a lot of inside knowledge and wisdom in uh, with regards to that uh, with this journey with the Devils um, sort of coming through that system where they had a lot of success and it sort of uh, unfortunately failed, uh, it was a tremendous system for the state, I just think it gave uh, a lot of fabric to, to football in Tasmania and Gave a pathway to young fellows. There's no real pathway for young guys down there anymore. So, we want to try and get uh, Tasmanian football working well again as it once was. And, um, you know, I think this conversation will probably bring some awareness around uh, the state of footy in Tassie and also help uh, you know, people within the state sort of get a bit of a, a connection with Brett and, uh, and what he's been through as a player and uh, also off the field as well. So, hope you enjoyed this chat. Now, I just want to make special mention to the Real Shift who support the podcast. So, if you're looking to change something in your life, uh, The Real Shift offer a nine week deep dive program. Uh, the Next one starts on the 13th of June. Basically it's a powerful nine week, uh, uh, I suppose week by week platform where you can work with Amy and Michael Stooth closely uh, to be able to shift things in your life which may be blocking you whether that be habits or things you want to change physically and mentally to be your best self so you know they are tremendous teachers uh, nlp practitioners and holistic coaches that can give you uh guidance to you know manage your life a little bit more functionally and a lot of us get sort of get trapped and caught up in uh, modern society with uh um poor lifestyle behaviors and all the things around that which can take us out of whack so this can really bring you back into balance uh, tremendous investment in yourself to be able to look after your well-being with a bit of support so if you want to go onto the real shift website so realshift.com forward slash deep dive have, have a bit of a look at that <coughs> pardon me and also if you uh mention the outback mind you will get a discount so uh yeah really uh hope you can uh, support those guys because they're really good and uh, they do a a wonderful uh, service to humanity to be able to help people shift changes uh, and make changes in their lives so please check them out Uh, hope you uh, would be able to help us uh, with the Outback Mind Foundation into the future uh, we're setting up as a charity and uh, probably need some support there uh, once it's all established in June to be able to get off the ground and offer some more uh, well-being support for men with, uh, within rural Australia and regional Australia. So um, jump on the Back Mine website, um, have a bit of a look around and yeah, if there's anything you'd like to do to help us out, really appreciate you. Uh, reaching out to me, at uh, batmind.com.au. Alrighty, hope you enjoy this chat with Brett and I, really appreciate uh, appreciate your feedback on this one, and please share it with others that uh, may find it helpful. G'day Brett, how are you mate?
1: Oh well, thanks for having me
0: on. Oh, really appreciate it mate, and um, I really uh, admired watching you as a young fellow running around playing footy and uh, and all that sort of stuff. And you know, I know some of your your experiences and that as a player and a coach and all that would be really relevant to this podcast. So I was really um, you know grateful that you're able to come on and have a chat. So I appreciate it.
1: No, not a problem at all.
0: No worries, mate. And um, like I'd really love to know a bit more about you as an individual, uh, you know, as, as as a young fella growing up in Tassie, uh, obviously you had an older brother that was um, quite heavily into sport and so forth and, and where did it sort of progress for you as far as you know footy, cricket, all that sort of stuff and um, whereabouts were you living in Hobart at the time or?
1: Yeah, so um, you know born and bred East, Eastern Shore boys so, um, and came up through obviously the, the well there the used to be the Harrow Junior Football Club which I guess is now the Clarence Junior Football Club. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just played all my juniors there and, and my father, uh, actually my dad played um, rugby. So I mean, he didn't try to <laughs> force down that path, but he um, he, um, he, yeah, he he coached me basically from, from under eights all the way through to under 14. So mm-hmm. um, so he was fantastic. And I guess certainly one of the biggest influences on, on my career, mm-hmm. someone I, again, even though he never have a footy background, always looked up to. Um, and then, obviously, as you go on, I mean, you, the talent was always there. I mean, I had a fair bit of hard – I knew I worked work pretty hard. But then I sort of had a few injuries. I mean, I went away with the under-16 state side and then sort of had some lower back pain around the time. And then when I got back, I turned out had a thing called Sherman's disease. So had, had to sort of sit out um, my 17th year, um age seventeen year, and then came back and, and played Mariners. Um, under Glenn Frame, so um, mm. and in terms of other sports, I mean, I played, you know, cricket in summer. I guess up until probably, um, I was never that good at it, to be honest. But <laughs> you know, I had a, played sort of um, played a few games of Clarence, but mainly just sort of school cricket. Um, with the focus was always footy for me, so that was always where I was sort of destined to put me. Mm. A um, bit of touch football. Mum and dad were heavily involved with touch football, so that was always something we played in summer, just a bit of, bit of fitness and stuff. But um, as I said, now footy was always the, the, the focus for me all, all the way through. Mm. So
0: when you were in that uh, in that, that sort of junior years in the development, going to the Mariners and so forth, uh, did you have a bit of an idea that you could have possibly been drafted then, or was it never something that you really contemplated? Well.
1: I mean, not not until I mean, obviously, if you don't know, I mean, it's, you can't get drafted till you back back then. It was 18, so I mean, I, I missed a pretty important year in terms of development. So as a 17-year-old, and um, so I missed that sort of bottom-age Mariners and had the full the full 12 months off. And actually, I mean, I was only a skinny boy then, but obviously didn't look half myself and put on a fair bit of weight to be honest. And mm. and then came back into the Mariners program really as an unknown and really had to. I remember Glenn Frame actually said he was coach at the time, said i actually literally got to work my arse off because it was a fair size at that point in time. So, <laughs> I, um, so it was, yeah, it was, I mean, my goal was to get on that, on that list really first and foremost. And then I guess as the year went on, um, yeah, I sort of started to play some good footy and then sort of had a bit of interest um, throughout the year. And I ended up doing a pre-season. Um, I mean, I missed out in the draft, which was disappointing, but I knew I was probably... Fringe and then I went over to to train with Melbourne um, back in those days. The rookies just went over and tried out So I went over and had a preseason there and, um, But yeah, the first pretty much first session I sort of had never heard of this thing, but I was running and I had a sort of a Time trial and I was, I was pretty pretty fixed. I did heaps of work before I went over there, but probably overtrained it uh went to do a 3K time trial, I was sort of leading the first lap and had to stop because my legs were killing me and I thought, so imagine the impression you're giving to the, these coaches and recruiters trying to pick up, I think, who's this idiot from Tasmania, maybe <laughs> send me back home, but um, I had a thing called compartment pressure syndrome, so um, so that got diagnosed and then I had the surgery and, and back home I went, so that was uh, disappointing and I guess then I had, I guess, that question mark over my head because I guess I didn't have a decent crack at it, but ended up playing seniors the next year for for Clarence and was fortunate enough to, to play in a grand final sort of as an 18-year-old and, and then also got invited back over the next year and had a pre-season with Richmond. That went really well. Couldn't have got any better. and um, I played really well in a practice match and they said I was fantastic, but they just weren't, you know, what, what they were after. So at least I had another crack at. it would have been disappointing if i didn't get another crack at it it'd be sort of that question mark and i just regrets that i didn't get another chance but i was yeah luckily i had a crack with richmond as i said it couldn't have got any better and, um mm. unfortunately it wasn't what they're after and went back and then obviously the devils came in i mean i was going to sign with um richmond's vfl side which was Coburg back then so mm. um but it then um, obviously uh, i hadn't signed anything and got back home and then got a call from maddie armstrong back in January so we've got, we got a new side in Tassie so mm. um yeah and then obviously played the first game to the last game with the with the Devils
0: Unbelievable was that like 2001 or 2 roughly
1: 2001 yeah so that was the first game Sandringham. Yeah. remember it like it was yesterday we came in at half time we were about two points down I thought this is not that hard and <laughs> I think they beat us by 70 points in the second half <laughs> oh, <laughs> so we ran, um. out, ran out a petrol tickets but nah it was a, it was a good learning experience um and as, um, as we spoke, off, you know, off air, I mean, the, the crowds that we got, and I guess footy's been in a, in a bad place for the last probably 20 years, I mean, or 10 years at least. And I guess the last time it was, you know, really up and about was, I guess, those Devil's Days. So certainly fond memories for me and also, I guess, that, that your footy followers.
0: Yeah, mate. Um, look, you, you know, that's really interesting. I didn't realise that you were there at the start and the finish of it. So you saw the whole, the whole program. Was it about seven or eight years altogether?
1: Yeah, it was. So, yeah, 2001 to 2008 was, it was the last year. So, um, so I mean, we as I said, it was it was hard yards early and then obviously we had a lot of success. I mean, we didn't win any premierships, but um, to make finals three years in a row, and I think we were a kick out of a, a grand final um, in 2003 or four. I can't quite remember. But, um, yeah, so it was, as I said, and, and some big crowds, you know, 10,000 people to a... Um, to a crowd, 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever it was mm. to a couple of home games at, at Reeve. Um was certainly, yeah, memories I look back on.
0: Um, oh, mate, I was, it, was, it was incredible. Like, honestly, I loved it and when I was down there. And um, I remember going to a game at North Hobart Oval where you played Geelong and Cameron Thurley uh, played. Um, that's right, yeah. And, and, mate, that was one of the best games of football I've ever seen, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was there was a there, I think um, someone flashed up a, a one of the games, and I think there was a game that played, and it had Andrew Mackey, Gary Albert, Jim, James Bartell, uh, Corey Enright. I mean, they're only young at the time, but mm. I mean, in terms of what what they went on, it just showed you that. And we actually beat him that day, um, mm. which is just unbelievable. So yeah, we we held our own held our own against XA, not XA, XA AFL players, and um, yeah, no, as I said great experience and again it was a it was some good times
0: yeah mates um just getting off track a little bit one of the best footballers i ever saw was ian calliman um you know i i used to watch that guy I'd, i'd pay to get into the ground to just to watch him you know now i i just couldn't believe that 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 guy never got drafted or was picked up you know throughout that whole process and um Uh, you know, just incredibly humble fella, you know, really talented but was just too short primarily and um, uh, what was it like to play with a guy like him?
1: Oh, he's a star, look as I said, one of of the best mates and again, I I, I played with him, I mean, he was in those mariner Mariner days really, so I played a lot of footy with him and I guess and and look, I guess early on, I mean as you said, he should have got drafted don't get me wrong, absolutely, and and should have played a lot more footy than he did I guess but one thing with with Wignat early probably his work rate, his fitness level wasn't at the level that it, it needed to be mm. uh, in terms of the AFL um, and that's something that I guess he, he learned a bit later on um, but yeah, there, there was a year I think we won the medal um, as in the, the JJ Lisa medal where he was there was a period of 10 to, oh, well, not 10 was probably the whole season where he was literally unstoppable. Mm. It was just, I was sitting there going, is this, is this bloke for real? You <laughs> know, left and right foot. And yeah. um, w- one of the best memories with him was, I mean, I don't know, remember the old race at, at North Hobart Oval, that bottom end, and he walked out with his, um, just had a shower and just had his towel wrapped around him barefoot, got the football. You can't even see the, any part of the goal and snapped it from there with the towel wrapped around his, <laughs> around his body. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah oh yeah i i don't remember that particular occasion but i remember lots of games at that ground it was just it was it's incredible mate like yeah
1: just, yeah no yeah. he's a he's a star and um and yeah he, he had his challenges did you know he had a stroke recently
0: i i only just found out about that mate so i'm um, really keen yeah, to chat so. to him yeah yeah
1: yeah so but he look he's he's, he's fully healthy and stuff which is Which is wonderful but that was obviously a big challenge
0: for him yeah he's recovered that's that's the main thing or recovering but uh geez mate um you know like uh, you were talking about mental health and i saw lots of guys like him with this incredible talent that just were were not so much ignored, but they never got an opportunity and their mental health declined uh, significantly. But it's full credit to someone like him and even yourself that you, you had the ability to be able to like just carry on, uh, even though you didn't get a chance uh, to, to go to where you wanted to go, just to be able to sort of, you know, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to be happy doing what I'm doing here and let everything take care of itself.
1: Oh, look you're spot on and i guess that and that's a challenge and look when i speak to young people these days i mean it's i guess a lot of the time they get one knock back and they and that's enough where they've got to again get through that adversity a little bit but also you don't know what else what other issues they've got going on in their lives and stuff so it's always um so that's where i guess when i when i talk to young players i still do a lot of that these days when uh, you know you you got to ask i guess a few more questions so you deal with it deeper because um, it's not always just football is the reason that they, they've they given up half of that one knockback, but as I said, look, for Wingnut to just keep and just refusing to give up mm. is just um, is full credit to himself, but that just shows what sort of character he is, and as I said, um, he's one guy that um, everyone loves. He's a great fella. Mm. Um, and, yeah, as I said, certainly the best player I've played with.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, good to hear, mate, absolutely. Um, certainly the best player I've watched, I reckon, that's for sure, yeah. but... Uh, Mates, um, just on that, like, uh, I, I observed, um, you know, Matthew Armstrong, uh, I saw him as being someone that was really passionate and really, you know, really concerned and proud about what he was doing. And it sort of got to a stage where he was sort of exited out of the system and I, I saw a real, uh, amount, a lot of pressure on him, which I, I reckon probably affected his uh, mental health at the time.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. As I said, look, he, um, and I think the good thing about about Matty Armstrong, I think he adapted really well. And, look, again, he's back in football now. But, I mean, it got to a stage where um, it, it was very intense as a coach and with Matthew. And, I got that worked really well for me and worked really well for Wignut and, I guess, the core group that that he had. And, I guess, with change, with some new people coming in, they, they didn't like to be coached that way, I guess. And I guess that was probably one of the reasons that when he initially exited um, and also, then I think stepping away and looking, looking at his own situation, I think he he, be, he sort of be called, became more rounded in terms of his approach. I mean, having his own children, all that sort of stuff as they get older as well. I think all that sort of stuff helps. And um, uh, but as I said, he's yeah, he's certainly he's a big influence on in my career in terms of in terms of coaching and someone I i probably still call every every couple of weeks just to touch base and see how oh, he's tracking and stuff. But yeah, he's going well. Mm,
0: yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I really loved loved the way he went about it, and um, it's interesting. Obviously, he had a bit of a funny period after he left with um, a bit of uncertainty. Yeah, Brendan Bolton coming in, obviously went further, and, and then Kreswick came in. Um, like in all honesty, was there was there some some sort of disharmony there with regards to that? With who, sorry, mate? With with With, 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 with the way creza sort of come into the program and sort of exited the program, I suppose.
1: Yeah, look, as I said, I was really close with creza at the time, but, I mean, he, he was going through a lot of issues himself, obviously. Um, I mean, mm. and, and normally I, I haven't spoke about this, but I guess I'm, I'm comfortable doing it now. I mean, he, he wrote his book and he... And I was actually mentioned in his book at the time, so, um, mm. so yeah, he obviously had a bad gambling problem. So, look, I still reckon he's one of the best coaches I've ever seen in terms of the pure coaching side of it—the pure coaching. But as we know these days, I reckon coaching is about five percent of it. Mm. It's a, it's your man management, it's your, your relationships with your players, and and I guess and getting the best out of your players. So, um, so it was really interesting. And I look, we we. we Sliding doors a bit I mean you look at Brendan Bolton Who went on to coach an AFL side. I mean he put him For the position mm. um, And you just don't know But I, I talked to Wingnut about it Nathan Grimer Both two good mates Of mine And they left Not because Creaser came But, but if Bolts And they went on To get pick, get drafted From Central Districts And yet if um, Bolts stayed They would have Stayed here And you don't know If they would have Got drafted from Tassie You just, mm. you just never know So it's yes. interesting How it all how it all works, but um, yeah. yeah, certainly, I mean, it was a, in terms of, yeah, the demise of the football club, I mean, I, as my, my personal opinion, obviously, when we went with North Melbourne, um, and that wasn't a reflection of, that's not the blame game on, look, our relationship with the players and, and, and with North Melbourne was fine, but our biggest thing was was us versus them, mm. the the Tassie way and the Tassie spirit and all that sort of stuff, and when, when we lost that, we almost lost that our identity a little bit. And, and I guess, I mean, we had some wonderful players. I mean, we had Jade Rawlings, we had Josh Gibson. So you think adding these guys to an already pretty handy side yeah. would be enough to, to get you across the line. But just shows you, with I guess, uh, the, coming back to that stuff I mentioned before, I guess, that his spirit, that us versus in. that was always what we said when we went out, before we went out to battle on that sort of stuff. And I mm-hmm. guess we lost that. and yeah. It was... Um,
0: yeah, a downhill slide pretty quickly after that. Yeah, mate, I, I, I observed that myself, obviously. The real strength of the uh, the outfit was was a state-based thing, you know, um, and to be able yeah. to, like, you know, provide that pathway for young fellas to come through and get into it. And, and I just loved going to a game because it was like Victoria versus Tasmania a lot of the time, you know. And, um, um, yeah, you, you guys just had this real spirit and, and that – that is evident. You know, it was really evident in, in your attitude and the way you went about it. And made, and, and that, 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 that is something that actually gets lost, I think, these days, you know, um, to be able yeah. to sort of you know, create and, and capture uh, that spirit is, is, is so powerful and important. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, um, it's interesting. Um, uh, I know a guy that was in the program there that, uh, that you played a bit with and also, you ended up coaching. Um, then ended up taking his own life, uh, Westy. And um, uh, you know, you sort of touched on before about um, you know battles and, and that sort of thing. Um, I think this guy, uh, you know, as a player, you know, had a lot of self doubt and everything because I believe that he was someone that could potentially have been drafted that wasn't, and I think that played a lot on his mental health and. Obviously, he ended up taking his life, you know, a few years later. But what was your observation with with West, with Westy uh, as a player, and, and sort of some of the behaviour uh, behaviour patterns and so forth that um, that sort of went on there before he ended up, um, you know, leaving us, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I mean, my my dealings with uh, with Matty was, I guess, I played Mariners. So he was bottom age. I was top age, and. Um, and he was a star I was a seller, and he was destined and was even one of those ones i guess like oh he will or he won't get drafted it was just like yeah he's he's a lock and and mm. he, he didn't get picked up the second year i mean i was gone by then as he's as a as a top age but um and yeah and i think as, as we mentioned before you know those people that just can respond and but i think that really rocked him mm. um and to be honest, I, look, I think that was, I mean, obviously, I, I didn't know of any issues prior to that. I mean, obviously, he may have had some other issues. But, um, yeah, and then, look, his focus went, and he's, he, he was trying to lose too much weight. Like, he, he was, he was, his body was, like, treated like a temple. He just, everything was just focused on, you know, getting picked up or almost, like, punishing himself because he didn't get picked up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then to be honest, I didn't have a heat. I mean, always cross paths, um, didn't have a heat to do with him. Um, played, he played a few Devils games in, when Cressa coached in 07 or 08. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so then w- when I came on board coaching Clarence, he was, yeah, he was, he was there. I mean, I didn't come on board um, to coach Clarence until Christmas because Brennan Bolt got picked up by Hawthorne to run their Box seal program, so um yeah and and again knew of his new of his issues issues because um yeah i mean he he that that'd been well documented before and, and some of the, some of my good friends who were really close at the time you know spoke me about it so and look and, and i had about three or four conversations with him because um, i know he had threatened to take his life before and, mm. um and sadly, I guess, in the end, he, he did. And I guess, um, yeah, so I guess it was, for me, that someone that was um, new to coaching and, and, and been in the job for 35 days, you, you don't find that anywhere in the manual um, mm. at your level two or level three coaching course. So um, so we got psychologists in, psychiatrists and psychiatrists, and did all the right things. And the, and the league were really good, and we, we got all the help that we needed for, um, especially his brother, his close mates. I mean, for everyone, really, it was open to to everyone and um and look we obviously dedicated that i mean we ended up winning the the premiership and i guess our focus was to really i mean live some of the values that he did i mean he he put everything into into football and um to lift the cup and we got his brother up to lift the cup with me and the captain in the end who uh, drew who played the premiership um was certainly certainly something that i'll i'll never never forget so but yeah it was certainly a a challenging thing, but I guess it, it made it easy for conversations then, because as I said, in football these days, I mean, gone are the years where no one would talk to their coach about any issues, but it, it made the door more open then and people willing to have those conversations. Um, yeah. So I, I guess the, the only positive to come out of it, and the, um, and there is no positives with what happened, but the only positive I think it did people did embrace and and we we embrace it. None of us are perfect, and we've all got issues in our life, and um, and I think that made us gel better together as as a team. And and again, it made job, made my job coaching a lot easier because um, people were happy to have those conversations. And again, as I said you before, like coaching is about five percent. I mean that year it felt like about two percent because it was just the other stuff that we. We spoke about and about building relationships and making sure everything was right in their home life their professional life and Mm. and their their mental health and um and it shows you it works because again it made us a a better football side purely because we we made that narrow the focus on that
0: Mm, yeah mate congratulations uh you know for being so uh positive about you know embracing such a, a tragedy and a negative and being able to you know utilize that as a as a platform for growth, um, uh, for for each individual inside and outside the club because, yeah, you know certainly for you, uh, there was a lot for you to carry like you know only being a new coach, um, you know um, a month into it and, uh, and then having that sort of sprung on you and then having to deal with all the reaction around it, and, um, you know it's interesting when I think about it. I remember thinking about it at the time because I knew a couple of his mates pretty well. And they sort of um, said that he was never the same when he when he missed out on being drafted. And, um, um, yeah, you know, it makes me wonder if it was a sliding doors moment and he had an opportunity and was guided uh, elsewhere, whether he'd be still with us, you know, and I'm pretty sure he probably would be. And who knows, he could have been um, a champion or basically uh, being able to, you know, sort of... Uh, Wield his craft, um, like he. I suppose he really wanted to do, but uh, just never had the opportunity to do it at the higher level. Yeah. But, but you know, you, you look at that, you look at Ian Cullen, and, and got drafted at 28. So you know, never give up, and, and anything's possible. You know, that's that's uh, that's a beautiful yeah, thing absolutely. that I love about his story. You know, um, if uh, one door shuts, plenty of others open. I guess that's really important. You know, for for a guy listening to this that, that may struggle. Um, you know, with depression and those sorts of things, uh, you know, usually that is triggered by something possibly, but uh, potentially that um, actually helps guide us into a, a pathway which we may never have considered before. So, you know, um, there's certainly a lot um, from Matt's legacy um, uh, to be, to be you know, drawn upon. And I just think that, um, you know, yeah, you, you need to be congratulated with the way that you handled that and um, the way that uh, the club and, and the league responded by the sounds of it, you know, and, um, You know, your your club in general, Clarence, has been around for a long time. It's, you know, probably the most professional outfit in in Tasmania and probably one of the best in Australia. So that just goes to show, you know, how solid a a unit you are. Um, You're involved back in the club now, I I believe, and, uh, you know, probably it's a great environment to be around. Oh, it is.
1: And look, in a lot of football, I reckon, I haven't really met or heard about too many, you know, bad football clubs. And I guess that's always something that I preach with with guys when they had issues like i don't feel like coming to train i'm like you don't have to come to train if you if you want to have the night off that'll make you feel better but for me when i had when i had any issues not like i never went through any serious in my life but footy was an outlet for me i thought there's nothing better to go along and You know, poke a bit of fun with your mates, and you know, sweat it out, and and Mm. I reckon it's the best medicine. So that's what I always said. But there's there's times when people need to step away, and and again, and and you you make sure they step away because they're not in the position to, and it's not the best way to handle it. But I find a lot of the time, if you get them back in those walls and and get them along, I think you can get them back on the on the right path again. Mm,
0: Mate, so how, how old are you now?
1: I am almost forty one, so from <laughs> forty one in June. So I um I had to retire at twenty acres of my neck.
0: Mm, unreal So, I, but mate, but you, you that, you've got a, a wonderful amount of maturity, you know, to be able to to, to see it uh, exactly like as you just explained. Um uh, you know, and to be able to to utilize uh, the game as being a great balancer for your mental wellbeing and, um, uh, you know, to be able to actually see how someone's travelling and give them some slack because 15, 20 years ago we wouldn't have done that. We would have called someone a weak, weak bastard or toughen up or, you know, um, uh, all those sorts of things. But, you know, I think now uh, we've actually got to be a little bit more aware of um, how we can respond and react to uh, individuals and their own processes.
1: No, look I, I, look, I totally agree. I mean, I, I look at it in almost a different way because you look at fitness these days, right? And back in, back, even when I was, everyone did the same thing, right? So we just got flogged and flogged and flogged and it didn't matter what size you were or if you're good at endurance, if you needed speed, but we just did exactly the same session. But now, well, they've got individual programs for everyone. Yes, there's still a lot of bulk stuff that everyone does. And I guess it's the same with the mental health. Everyone's in a different position. Yes. Um, in their life and with their challenges I guess and, and, that, and that's way. and look it took me a little while too I mean there, there's certain there's certain times when people do need a bit of a kick up the backside, and it's also good for them but you, you learn again that's one thing I learned was um everyone's different. you don't you don't treat them you know everyone the same I guess and that just comes with relationships and having that connection and once you've got that connection um there's a bit of trust back there too so and then it works I think it works well both ways so and I found that um, yeah, I, I, as I said, and and also I guess with coaching too. I mean, in terms of we were successful, we won you know two premierships in a row, and people think oh everything's rosy, but I'm like you learn more from your mistakes. I I found than actually the things you do well. You like yeah. and you look back now and you scratch it and say, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. Or, but um, yeah, you learn and grow, and you learn and grow with with your team. Mm,
0: that that's true, mate, and. Uh certainly it's really important what you mentioned there because you know physically fitness physically fitness is is important but the psychological fitness is uh also valuable too so you know if the if the body is a little bit out of balance you give someone a rest same as the mind you know if the mind's not quite on you know the best thing to do is to is to settle a nervous system down and actually like just rebalance again and you know if we're always pushing and we're always on uh, it makes someone's life, you know, difficult to manage because they, they struggle with sleep and they struggle with, um, you know, finding uh, the connection again, you know. So I think we've really come a long way with regards to, uh, you know, understanding individuals and everyone's unique experience because we are all the same. Uh, sorry, we, we aren't all the same primarily, uh, whereas, you know, you, you use the football analogy there, you know, you were probably getting Trent Bartlett to run uh, as many laps as what the little fellas were and all those sorts of things. but. Different body type, different setup altogether. You know. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah,
0: so sort of, it's, it's good you got that awareness and understanding. You know, I think we're, you know, we're in a really good moment in time now where people can start to, um, you know, um, appreciate uh, everyone's unique individual um, contribution. And uh, I guess uh, that will only help, um, you know, strengthen people's mental health and communities and and give them uh, the support. Uh, that they need moving forward and it's interesting you know now Brett, what do you do now you can't play footy to keep yourself you know physically and mentally well
1: well in terms it's funny like i, I reckon, when i played football like um not so much anxiety but i was you know quite on edge and i guess i like to be that way with football and then when i finished as i said i didn't want to go back and um and just just do nothing. So I took up running. I, well I to say took up running, I was always run but I took up marathon running. So mm. um, and for me, I it put me in like a in a better place than I've ever been in terms of mentally and mm. I remember, what I've seen one day made me a lot more chilled. Um, yeah. And I know it myself now, and if I don't have that I find myself I guess um, yeah, been a bit uptight and so you, you you do need and that that's the outlet for me now and as i said i just go out got a group of mates and i run by myself or i run with them and um probably do it four or five days a week and um and so that's been the, the best thing for me post football um, for sure for my own mental health definitely
0: mm, amazing mate like Really, what what happens is once your breath gets into a rhythm, then your mind sort of starts to settle down, and your body sort of flows a bit more freely. And um, I remember years ago, actually, you you wouldn't know this, but I stood on the starting line next to your brother in the A Challenge, and, and I was like, I was really calm, and everyone's like like a jackrabbit, like you know, tense and re- 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 ready to go, but. Uh, I'd sort of learned through running how to settle my mind down, you know, and uh, and yep. just let, let everything take care of itself. And um, um, what happened from there, mate, was I got really curious, like, you know, with regards to this sort of stuff. So I ended up going to the Buddhist center in Hobart and, and learning yeah. me- meditation to a to another level and actually giving myself the ability to be able to find that sense of calmness that you get through running, um, you know, without having to go and, you know, do 30 or 40 k- sort of things, So um it really actually opened the doorway for me uh with regards to my mental health, you know, by using the body to um to learn to settle the mind down I guess and um yeah that's one great thing that you can you can do uh run to keep yourself physically well but also the mental um you know uh I suppose um outcomes from that are really significant as well.
1: Yeah. look, like I'm as I mentioned before Lisa I've got a sort of good story about that. I, I can't remember what the issue was, but I had something something going on in my mind it was just sort of eating away I mean, as, as I mentioned earlier before the, the winter Tassie weather is back mate and I was literally mm-hmm. going out for a. I thought I need to clean my head I'll go out for a 6 to 8 kilometre jog right and just clear my head and um I just got into this sort of headspace and I because I saw one of the guys that I run with, and it was pouring with rain. So he said, "You, you're stupid." He drove back three hours later. I was still going, and I I'd ran, ran thirty-eight kilometres. Just, but by the end of it, I sort of got myself in a good in, yeah. a, in a good place, and um, yeah,
0: and just and I was away again. So. Yeah, mate. You you renatured yourself, you know. You, you <coughs> out out in the elements and, and running in the rain, mate. There's uh there's an absolute beauty uh with regards yeah. to that. Most people think no way, but like it just it's amazing what it can do to give you a reset. You know, uh, it's it's really important to uh to to do the physical stuff. And and I um where it all started for me was when Zap Fitness opened at uh Bel Reeve there, you know. That's where I sort of started to get my fitness on track and that sort of took me uh to exploring what was available outside and then the running come in and then see what what changed me matt was the competition like i actually i i I did pretty well on the bernie 10 one year and um i sort of thought oh do i want to keep doing this or do i want to start to you know uh just find a, a sense of peace within myself and uh you know i just didn't want to keep keep having to push myself hard you know so uh, the running come uh, more about enjoyment after a while uh, rather than the competition i suppose which I yeah
1: as i said look uh, look initially for me it was um i did it well i did a marathon and just for the sake of it then but i basically walked the last 10 kilometers so i thought that doesn't actually count so then i got <laughs> put the put the competitive the competitive hat on and um Took it pretty seriously, and um, I wanted to break three hours, so I end up end up doing it a couple of times. So, good boy. Um, which is, I guess, the is the I guess the good amateur mark, as you know, to, mm-hmm. at that level. So, um, so it was good to tick that tick that off the, the bucket list. And um, but now, sort of, um, I haven't done a decent one probably three or four years, but still, it is a said, and good way to socialise with some mates. And just we don't break records at the moment; just jog along and have yeah, a chat. And, that's it. Enjoy, enjoy um, yeah, it, it's mate. good. good time.
0: It's a good way to get the mind in the present moment too. You know, when you got lots yeah, of stuff correct. going on. So, did I just call you Matt a moment, moment ago? I think I did. So, I apologise. But, um, but certainly, uh, yeah, I know your brother. Sort of, I saw him running up um, Howard Hill one day, when it was piss and rain. And um, yeah, you know, yeah. so yeah, so he certainly uh, obviously uh, knows the benefits and understands uh, what it does for him and his mental health as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mate, uh, it's been a pleasure and I'll let you get back to your day and um, yeah, I hope, um, hope to catch up with you uh, when I'm down in Tassie next time, um, you know, it'd be nice to, to come and have a yak about uh, footy and all sorts of stuff, so I really appreciate okay, it. Coming. for a jog, mate. Oh You're yeah, right. well that's true, you are probably uh, <laughs> run rings out of me at the moment, but uh, it's, all, it's all good. I, uh, yeah, nothing better, I'd love that, so uh, I'll try and uh, be, be down by the end of the year and uh, yeah, try to see if I can look you up, so I appreciate it, mate.
1: No, it sounds good. Thanks for having me on, appreciate it.